0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. Next up, we're going to hear about how the ongoing drug shortage problem impacts pharmacies and their patients. Uh, This is, again, another angle that we don't tend to speak about that much in the kind of consumer or business landscape. So I'm thrilled to welcome to the show Dr. Scott Knord, CEO of the American Pharmacists Association and former chief pharmacy officer at the Cleveland Clinic. Scott, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Randy, thanks so much for allowing me to be here. Now, I'm just going to admit right up front, this is going to be anticlimactic because you just spoke to the world leader on drug shortages. Erin Fox is a close colleague of pharmacy and patient care patriot, and she's the real deal.
0: Oh, uh, it's it's wonderful, but I'm I'm excited for the entire lineup for today's show, including speaking with you, Scott. And uh, um, maybe you could give us a little bit of the lay of the land. Where are you? What has your life been like for the last four months? Like what?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, interesting, interesting question. And, and I'll tell you, Randy, when I start feeling my feeling sorry for myself for taking a job during a pandemic, I look around <laughs> and read the whole world in a pandemic, right? So I can't really feel as sorry for myself. Uh, you know, I I started uh the 1st of may as the uh uh designate and then i you know shadowed uh, the former ceo so I, I i took over officially just a month and a half ago june 1st and um you know the world changes right uh you, you know between the time i took the job in january and the time i started uh, i 'm sitting here. we have the the world home of pharmacy i 'm so fortunate We have uh, the the actual pharmacy building is the only privately owned building on the national mall it 's all other government buildings. We have our, our old buildings all marble. It was designed by Pope, the same architect that did the uh, Jefferson Memorial in the National archives and then i 've got a big beautiful building uh, behind it with a patio. so every day, I look over here at the Lincoln Memorial out my front window in the Washington Monument. and when I think i 'm having a bad day. I'm like you know what, Lincoln had it a little bit worse. Washington, <laughs> you know, had to get independence uh, from the British. So, so uh, it is what it is, right? Um, let's let's. Uh, it, it, you know what it does, Randy? It gives pharmacists an opportunity to demonstrate the value they have for society. We'll talk about that a little bit. But you know, a lot of times with bad things, good things happen. One of those things is I was never a big fan of work from home. I usually have 130 employees here. I've got about three. The rest of them are just kicking butt, getting their jobs done working from home, you know, so industry is going to change, um, you know, and, and pharmacists have really stepped up.
0: Absolutely. So Scott, talk to us about some of the challenges that pharmacists are facing with drug shortages right now that, you know, people might not know
1: about. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't listen in to um, uh, Aaron's, but, you know, early on, I think folks all knew that, um, you know hydroxychloroquine when, when you know we're trying to figure out doesn't work doesn't work and we had some issues um you know a lot of people were I guess you can't blame them they're humans right but a lot of prescribers were sort of stockpiling their their they're prescriptions for their families, and, and the problem with hydroxychloroquine is it has other uses for autoimmune disorders. It's actually used for malaria. Fortunately, we don't have a lot of that here in the U.S. So we were concerned that our patients that are chronically on it couldn't get it uh, now because the data is varied and you know it's it's not clear that that has much of an impact. That's sort of gone away. I think the big problem, uh, and again, I don't know if Aaron touched on it. Uh, I come from the Cleveland Clinic. I was there for the last nine and a half years before, which is one of, you know, a nationally recognized health system. And uh, getting the, the one thing that we do know helps shorten uh, remdesivir, which is a, a um, antiviral that started early, it helps shorten the course. And in uh, some hospitals that, that's given to the, uh, through the Department of Health at each state, and each state kind of has their own way of getting to hospitals. So that, that is a bit of a problem. It's hit or miss. Some hospitals can get plenty. Some hospitals can't get it all. Yeah, but overall, Randy, you know, our pharmacists, you know, this was really for, for all health care, for, for physicians, for nurses. This was kind of like our 9-11, right? The buildings are on fire, and the first responders run toward the buildings. That's what our pharmacists did, okay? We had no PPE, PPE, personal protective equipment, as I think people now know. We didn't have any masks. There weren't any plexiglass shields. You know, what our pharmacists, they went to work. They risked their lives uh, and, and taken it home to their families to serve patients. I think we really demonstrated that, that pharmacists are frontline uh, healthcare givers. Uh, But, you know, most of the drugs, the common drugs, um, you know, some things, as Aaron talked about, drug shortages are a problem chronically. Uh, The pandemic, I don't believe has outside of the the antiviral and the, the hydroxychloroquine really impacted most drugs for patients. Now we had some payer issues at first, um, because, you know, people couldn't go out. So a lot of a lot of insurance companies allowed them to get like three month supplies with help. So there's a lot of like chaos uh at first just trying to figure it out. Uh but we've gotten I think we've gotten through a lot of the worst of that outside of the things that Aaron talked about that happens every day. You you don't even know what tomorrow is going to, you know, something could be short that we hadn't even thought about not related to the pandemic.
0: For sure. And I'm glad you mentioned the shortages around hydro. uh, Oh my gosh. I I can't pronounce the name. Yes. Thank you. We actually have um, Dr. Sherry Flowers is coming on at the end of the show. Who's a rheumatologist who's speaking exactly uh, about that issue with with her patients. Um, I'm, I'm curious a little bit if you can, uh, and uh, Aaron Fox did talk about the global supply chain, how that affects things. Um, But maybe you can talk a little bit. I mean, what, Physically, what happens when a pharmacist gets a request for a drug they don't have or they can't get, and and what what should a consumer do?
1: Yeah, so that that varies, and there's a continuum, right? Some of that is like nobody can get it. Some of it might be they they can't get it today, and you know all businesses, uh, you know, have to look at how much inventory they have, and if they don't use a particular drug very often especially now with some of these drugs especially drugs are so expensive um... you know uh... you know a thousand dollars pill and stuff like that so you know it it it's not uncommon in a pharmacy for something that's not used very often be out what usually happens is they give them uh, a, a couple days supply and will either mail it to them or whatever now if there's something bigger um... you know they will you know pharmacies you know you're running a business when you're running pharmacy, but you're also there for society. Pharmacies share products with other pharmacies. We work. We all have wholesalers um, that, that get us our drugs. And um, you know, now having said that, because right now I represent all pharmacists at the American Pharmacists Association. Before I was at the the Cleveland Clinic, and uh, there we would constantly run out of drugs. Um, you know, like Aaron said, God knows tomorrow I could be on something really important. And what we would do, what the pharmacists do in that case, is they work with their physicians. So if it's a rheumatology drug, we would call Sherry, your next speaker, and say, Hey, Sherry, we can't get whatever, hydroxychloroquine. Uh, we think maybe our physicians here should use this what do you think there would be a discussion and if we because can, you can't get it you can't get it you know and and then we would work with our medical staff and if, if it's cardiology drug or or whatever oncology drug and we would uh switch things all the time we would would, would work with our physicians we don't just switch it at the counter we work with our physicians now here you know similar things happen if if there's a drug shortage uh then then insurance companies will work to uh, uh and, and PBMS to 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 say what drugs can get reimbursed.
0: Mm. I love, I, I just posted on Instagram um, a great blog post that you wrote about what the role of pharmacies should be with COVID-19 and, yeah. and kind of some of the missed opportunity. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about, I mean, it was really incredible. You wrote that the average American lives only, you know, less than five miles from a pharmacy, yet they're not being utilized at all during this pandemic. So I'd love to, some of your thoughts on that and what should be happening.
1: Randy, you just touched on the biggest, I think, public health issue. Uh, well, one of them. I'm a pharmacist, so, so I look through that lens. Is that community pharmacies have been closing at a, a horrendous rate, and I'll get the numbers wrong. I'm not trying to get the exact numbers for a quote. There's something like 5,000 pharmacies that closed, uh, you know, between within 10 years. Uh, I was in Ohio at the Cleveland Clinic before, and we had 300 net pharmacy closures in three years. That's 300 net because you know you, you buy some pharmacies, they start, and the reason. Reason, uh, Randy, is that the the payment structure is is horrible for pharmacies. Okay, uh, pharmacists in community pharmacies are pretty much only reimbursed uh, for dispensing prescription. Every pharmacist that graduated from pharmacy school since 1999 has a doctor of pharmacy degree. I have a doctor of pharmacy degree, um, and a lot of them do residency training. We are the second most educated profession behind physicians, who generally have most uh, doctor post more of education, and we don't get paid for anything except counting and dispensing prescriptions. Now we do a lot more. Our community pharmacists, you know, they they keep. Patients healthy. They, you know, they, they look for drug interactions. They look for more cost-effective treatments. Uh, you know, doses are too big sometimes. They'll call the physician and they'll they'll work with them. They don't get paid for that. So, uh, and the other problem is PBMs. Pharmacy benefit management companies are ridiculously uh, horrible. They, they they just suck dollars, millions, billions of dollars out of the supply chain without adding any real value. In Ohio, the 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 local uh, newspaper, the Patriots of the Columbus Dispatch, have done an expose. It's called Side Effects Series. I, I encourage your readers to go to Columbus Dispatch Side Effects, and they've done this expose. They found in one year for Ohio Medicaid that PBMs just for Medicaid, so that's, that's Medicaid, one state, one year. They sucked, I believe, again, don't quote me, it's, it's directionally accurate, something like $240 million out of the system, and that's called spread. That's what taxpayers paid uh, Medicaid, which is us, for taxpayers, paid the PBMs. The difference between that and what they paid the pharmacy, hundreds of millions of dollars. One year, one state, so it's billions of dollars, no value uh, that they're providing. So that model, and they also, I don't want to get into the details, DIR fees, so it used to be when, when you came in with your prescription card, I ran your prescription card I gave your drugs, I got paid. Now they they have a legal mechanism, which is, unethical where they can take claw money back so i get paid i thought i got paid and then they take money back later based on metrics that are uncontrollable by the pharmacy and it's just a total money grab so anyway pharmacies are under siege they're closing we are the most accessible health care provider on earth. 90% of the population lives within five miles of a pharmacy, and because of reimbursement, so what we need to do, Randy, is get pharmacists paid for keeping your mom out of the hospital. Diabetic patients, it's proven that when pharmacists are involved, they have better outcomes. So, guess what? You have to pay pharmacists, so that this is the problem that Medicaid doesn't want to pay pharmacists' as providers because they say, well, it costs a couple billion dollars to pay pharmacists. The CBO, Congressional Budget Office, can't count the offsets, so we know that less diabetics will have their feet cut off. Okay, less uh, folks with CHF, uh, congestive heart failure, will be admitted to the ER. But so we would save billions of dollars for society. Uh, Now, here's my pet peeve. I love uh, uh, all of our health care providers. Audiologists and nurse midwives are providers under Medicare. Okay? Audiologists are great. I've, I've had my hearing tested. I need audiologists. If audiologists can get paid for doing their job, why can't pharmacists who are the second most trained, they're all doctors of pharmacy. Uh, some of our veterans aren't doctors, but, oh, my God, they've got experience and they're, they're smarter than, than I could ever be. I, you know, we can't get paid. So because of that, and I'll put that into COVID testing, Randy. I'm on a rant, so jump in uh, if I'm going off track.
0: No, it's cool. great. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I actually had no idea how any of this worked. So uh, exactly. So,
1: <laughs> the COVID testing, right? The administration, everyone wants to increase testing. Well, who is the most accessible health care provider? When physician's offices were closed, pharmacists were on the front lines, okay? We can't get paid by Medicare for doing COVID testing. And, and, you know, there are some mechanisms to get paid for just doing the test, but we don't get paid for our personal protective equipment. We don't get paid for counseling. We get paid, like, a couple dollars, which we would be losing money on every test. If the, uh, the administration really wants to uh, dramatically expand testing, they need to pay pharmacists a reasonable rate, you know, a reasonable rate to do COVID testing, and our community pharmacists all over would jump on that. They're getting, you know, slammed by the PBMs. Sometimes they lose money on prescriptions. Many times they lose money on filling a prescription because of the evil. I'll use the word evil PBMs. Uh, so they need to have a revenue stream where they're getting paid for doing what they went to school for: practicing at the top of their education, talking to your mom about her hypertension, you know, keeping your dad out of the hospital with his diabetes. Uh, There have been studies all over. Everywhere you put a pharmacist, you know, again, I'm from the hospital world, historically, now I represent all pharmacists. If you put a a pharmacist in in a cardiology unit, guess what? The, 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 metrics, the quality improves and costs go down. The reason we, I, I, I probably added 200 pharmacists in 10 years at the Cleveland Clinic, but the reimbursement mechanism is different in a hospital. In a, in a, in a hospital, you get paid by DRG or diagnostic related groups. If you come in for whatever, a coronary artery bypass graft, I'm going to make numbers up that don't make any sense. You get a lump sum of money. I don't know what it is. This is not accurate, but I'll say, okay, you get $50,000. And if I use of drugs or $2 worth of drugs, how much do I get reimbursed? $50,000. If I use 18 MRIs or one x-ray, how much do I get reimbursed? $50,000. So it's all about cost utilization. You stick pharmacists in there, they work with doctors, they use not cheaper but more cost-effective medications. You know, we're the watchdog, right? Uh, we, We help, we lower costs and everywhere you put a pharmacist. When I got to the Cleveland Clinic, we had two pharmacists embedded in our, our medicine clinics, our family practice clinics. Our docs are under siege; they're too busy. You hear about physician burnout, and they're just you know going as fast as they can. They got 10 minutes to talk to a patient, so they diagnose them and they say, you know what? I got a really complex hypertensive patient. They're on 15 meds. They give them to the pharmacist. Their outcomes are better. Okay, their, their hemoglobin A1c's, which is a marker of diabetes success. That you know over time, you look at it. And, and they get scored on that, and they get better reimbursement. So our physicians love having pharmacists as part of the team because we improve quality and we reduce costs. So the I, same thing is true for the, the for, uh, in the community, but we don't get reimbursed for doing it.
0: Yes, um, Scott, I'm so I could talk to you for hours. Unfortunately, we're, we're out of time for today. But I, I love your passion and enthusiasm. Where can our listeners go to read more of what you're writing, uh, get educated and kind of join join the, the fight to have pharmacies more involved?
1: Absolutely so you know and a okay, couple things first of all, I'm on, on LinkedIn Scott Knorr. I'm on Twitter I'm pretty sure it's not very creative with Scott Kennor uh, at Twitter uh, you know what what pharmacists need to do okay we're fighting the good fight here okay we're trying to get reimbursement pharmacists for pharmaceutical drug and practice. we can't do it alone I need there are 300,000 pharmacists in the country they all need to be APHA members okay and uh, we just had a grassroots thing um, uh, if they go to uh, APH or pharmacists.com, uh, they can go to our grassroots and it will send letters to their legislators. super easy, put your name and address in, it sends letters to your legislator saying, pay pharmacists for uh, COVID testing, and the, because we are have another stimulus bill, okay, it's, it's critical, get a pharmacist paid, all of your listeners, pharmacists, non-pharmacists, can tell their legislators, put us in, coach, pharmacists are ready, they will kick butt, we will test, we will fight this pandemic, your listeners can all help us by being pharmacy advocates, what they're really doing is they're being patient advocates and they're being societal advocates.
0: Love it. Thank you so much, Scott Knorsey of the American Pharmacists Association, former chief pharmacy officer at the Cleveland Clinic. Really appreciate your time today.
1: Thanks. Invite me back anytime. Love to talk about pharmacy and improving healthcare.
0: Love it. Thank you so much. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.